I'm so blessed that I can be home with my children during the day and sort of work around them when they go for naps and do things mm-hmm. I can do bits of bits of judging and bits of admin and things and then um in the evenings when I normally do my teaching um and I try and work around them so I don't travel abroad too much because it's it gets a bit upsetting for them if I'm never there so they kind of negotiate which things I take and which things I don't take Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble, and I want to welcome you to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. I'm excited about this episode because motherhood was something central to my music career. I didn't actually start pursuing my career in earnest, or at least having some understanding of how to do it, until after I had a two-year-old. And so... I experienced a lot of what Rachel, my guest today, is talking about in learning how to balance things and how to learn to bring together a thriving music career and being a mom. So if you are someone who is trying to balance a lot of responsibilities, you'll hear Rachel talking about that in our episode today. Or if you are a mom and just trying to figure out how to do this or you want to be a mom, I have had many people email me saying, I really want to be a mom, but I'm afraid that's going to mean the death of my music career. And do you have any advice? So if any of those describe you, first of all, listen to this interview because it's really going to inspire you and it's going to give you some practical tools. But also I would love to have you come join us in my Female Musician Academy. And the first step to doing that is watching my free class all about my Musician's Profit Path framework. That can be found at musiciansprofitpath.com. That's www.musiciansprofitpath.com. And now let's get to my interview with Rachel Mason. All right. I am excited to have Rachel Mason on the show today. She is quite a Jill of all trades. I mean, she does a ton of things. So I can't wait to talk about all the different ways that she helps musicians in the world and all the cool experiences, you know, pretty international experiences that she's had over the years. Um, but first, Rachel, I would love to have you just kind of let our audience know, like, what's your background? How did you get started working in music? And, you know, what is, how did you get passionate about music? And you, you have a few different interests in music. So I'd love to know kind of how the, all those came up. Okay, well, I, yeah, I've always loved music and singing and have, have written songs since I was about Four, I think I, I just I always had songs in my head um, and I figured that everybody did <laughs> until I realized they didn't and maybe I was a bit different <laughs> and um, and I've always loved singing and listening to music and um, and I have a condition called synesthesia which um, Fro Williams has it as well and Tori Amos and quite a few others where you um, as well as hearing music you actually see music as colors and you can taste music as well 
which is uh which again I thought everybody had <laughs> until I realized that they didn't <laughs> and um so people often refer to it as my superpower which isn't a great it's not a great superpower I can't fly or heal somebody <laughs> or anything but I can see music as colors <laughs> um and so music's just always been part of my life and um I studied it all through through school um and then I went off to um university which would be your college equivalent and studied music and was writing my own I studied kind of classical music because I was a classical singer then um but I was would spend the day during that and then in the evenings I'd be in a recording studio writing my own pop music so that was a quite a strange <laughs> kind of life and have some coffee go back to lectures <laughs> and learn about Beethoven and um and I just carried on doing that and I started teaching voice when I finished um, university and I love teaching I, I adore my students there they all have different challenges with their voices and they all want to do different things and I love kind of rising to the challenge of learning the things that they want to do and um learning new musicals all the time and new pop songs and things with them it's it's brilliant that's cool um, let me ask you a question yeah. about your your experience at university and studying classical did you study mm -hmm. classical just because that was what you study if you're a musician at university or did you study it because you thought that that would be a good background for someone who had was like multi-genre passionate because i had the same experience where i like studied classical basically because that is what you study at university there's no yeah. options to like study pop or even musical theater wasn't really an option at my university yeah exactly the same as you exactly the same and um it was kind of before everything was on the internet we had the i sound really old now don't i people listening i'll be like oh my oh, god I how old I'm is old this woman so, yeah <laughs> um but now everything is online and you can find out everything you sit in your pajamas and find out about every university course all over the world um but i i yeah i went i went to cardiff in in wales um to study classical music because that wasn't really very much else there was you could go and do, do contemporary music but it was kind of contemporary classical mm. um whereas now there's courses for everything and um so i did a master's in songwriting much more recently because I thought oh this is what I would have done if I could do my university days again and my, my degree was lovely it was great but it's and some of it's coming really in, ha in handy when I'm arranging um music for choirs and pop yeah I was gonna say things. like you may not have gone into some of the areas that you did if you didn't have that experience at university and and that education but like it sounded like you always wanted to be in the pop realm yeah, I think I, I've got an unusual voice that I don't have a big classical voice. I always, always referred to as a kind of light, like soubrette soprano. Mm. So there's only a few roles I could ever have played in opera. <laughs> um, and uh, I was fairly limited and I, my voice doesn't really belong there. But because I've been classically trained, my voice didn't really belong in pop either. So I've had this <laughs> strange voice and I, for a long time, I just felt like I didn't really belong in any of the, the different genres of music um but so so what I've done is just sort of created my own path <laughs> where I do belong and then people think oh that's that's fine rather than me trying to sound like or be like somebody else that's so, cool and um, I mean you mentioned Tori Amos earlier but it's kind of similar mm, with her, right she she's kind of like a weird pop slash classical kind of artist and yeah 
you know, you can see like both of that in her, the way she sings. Definitely. Yeah. She's, she's so talented in the way she plays the piano and thinks about chord structures and um, yeah, she's, she's, she's got, you can tell there's a kind of classical background to the way she approaches music and that, that really works for her. It makes her music so interesting and different. So um, yeah, there's, there's no kind of wrong path, I guess. It's just, you, you kind of find your way through and <laughs> hopefully end up where you want to go. If you've got enough kind of direction and drive, you'll, you'll do it if, you know, to push yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you finished school, you started teaching voice and how did you get into all these other things that you do now? Um, so I, I moved back to where I was brought up, which is in the, in the kind of West country um, near Bristol, um, where they've been putting the statues down in the Black Lives Matter thing. You know, the, <laughs> it's very fa- world famous now for the Colston statue coming down, uh, which I always hated. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff is named after him in Bristol, and it's no, not not good. Um, so I, I moved back there. So I was near near my family, and I started um, started teaching privately, um, singing, and then I. Uh, and I had an admin job that I really hated <laughs> and I, and it just paid the bills. I thought, oh, I just hate this job. And so there's nothing like not enjoying something to make you, to push you to do what you do want to do. And so I would spend ages contacting um, all the local schools to see if they would like a teacher, a singing teacher to come in and teach their students. And eventually a few of the schools said yes. So I could give up the admin job and go in and do that. And because I was working in all the schools and, and helping them with their kind of exam work as well for, the, for their music um, exams, uh, one of the schools said, oh, would you set up a little vocal group um, so the kids can learn how to sing in harmony? Because that's a kind of requirement for one of the exams. And I said, yeah, sure. And then I realized I could actually arrange pop songs quite well. I was like, oh, all right then. That was, yeah, learning bark harmonies was, was very useful at uni. <laughs> and and from there, um, my, some of my dancer friends and I set up um, Euphoria Show Choir, which was back when Glee was really, really popular. It was about 2010. Oh, yeah. um, and it was just massive. And they're, they're, you know, show choirs are huge in America, but they didn't really exist in the UK. It just wasn't, we just didn't do it. So we created one um, outside of a school, um, whereas most American ones are a, a part of a school, but this one was outside of a school. So loads of people from different areas joined. And because we were such a, a kind of anomaly in the UK, we got loads of work. We did lots of cool things and got invited to come over and be guests, the guest show choir for um, some really lovely things in America. And then from there, I got to do judging for show choir because people seemed to like my arrangements and, and what I was doing. So I got sort of picked up to do things like that. And I did some um, acapella um, judging. I was part of an acapella group at school um, and, and and loved being part of that. So I got to do lots of, of that kind of thing. And then, um, and so I was, yeah, had lots of, lots of fingers and lots of pies at that point. So doing now, do you also work with classical <laughs> choirs or is it all show choirs? I do do I do some work with classical choirs not as much anymore I have a community choir um it's a kind of mixed age um choir sort of going up to people who are kind of in their 80s and they are just lovely they just want to be together and sing oh yeah so I'm in some, one of those too and yeah. it's been sad to not be able to sing during this you know COVID. yeah 
it, it, and it's it's the community that we all it, we love singing together obviously but it's we really miss each other and so mm-hmm. we chat on zoom but it's not it's not the same it's not the same um, no um so we do some classical things there um but we do we, we do lots of different things as well the pop songs and different things so yeah I do still do bits of classical stuff I'm just um, curious if like because I know my daughter you know she's really into pentatonic she's into acapella music cool. she, yeah you know and I wonder if you know, starting with Glee and then things like, I know you judged for Sing and then like the Sing Mm. Up and, um, you know, Pitch Perfect and stuff like that. Do you think it's not just bringing back like show choirs and acapella music, but maybe even some classical choir? I know my daughter, you know, Mm. she's interested in that. She got into it and then she's now in the chamber choir and she's like coming home saying, you know, mom, listen to this, you know, song from Lockme. You know, she's... Like oh these, amazing so that she's getting into this stuff mm. yeah I don't I think so yeah there's there's so much amazing music in the world in all different genres and I think there's there's a lot of, in in a lot of genres it's really good and there's always some bad examples in different genres but yeah if you're if you're kind of experimenting with different music and listening to different things and learning in an environment where you feel safe and happy so your daughter obviously really likes her chamber choir yes. and so when her teacher gives her something new she's not oh I don't like you she's thinking oh excellent this is something that I someone I like and trust who's given me something new to learn and then you, you yeah you, you find all this different music which is incredible it's, it's like a real gift when someone when someone shows you something that you don't already know yeah oh absolutely and yeah you're right I mean they they come in for one reason but then they're they love the experience and so their mind is open to other things absolutely yeah so on top of all that, you also have a management company. Do you manage independent, um, you know, independent musicians? Yes. Yeah, I do that. Um, so I started that, uh, I think it was last year. Yeah, I, I um, won a competition um, in the UK called Freelancer of the Year, which is um, self-employed people kind of enter this and I so was chosen anybody as... that's self-employed across the board because I was like yeah <laughs> first of all we don't have that in the U.S. so it's like oh that's really interesting and that there is such a thing maybe we do and I don't I don't know about it but um it seems to be a big thing where you are and that's so cool that you're mm. the first position to win that yeah I, I I genuinely couldn't believe it when I think back like <laughs> the pictures of me winning the award I just look absolutely dumbstruck like <laughs> I did not think in a million years I was going to win there was an astrophysicist in oh. the finals as well and um people who'd done incredible things and then there was me <laughs> a musician with tattoos and green hair and I thought oh they're never going to pick me of course they're not and and then it, they seemed to really love that my career was so diverse and I kind of adjusted to different things as they changed and um I'd come through some really difficult things because I've got two toddlers now um, and I had really bad postnatal depression which is known as postpartum depression over in America um and so I'd really really struggled and um and then had a lot of help to get through that and so because of that I set up um a company called Lyrical Light where I do songwriting with other people struggling with their mental health and we write an anthem to kind of help them get well that's, that's to do with their experiences they've been through and how they're going to get better um and so with um so when I won freelancer of the year you win five thousand pounds and lots of business 
advice. And so I was able, I just set up Lyrical Light then and I was just about to set up my artist management company, but I needed a big sort of cash injection <laughs> to pay for all of the things I needed. And I thought, oh, how am I going to pay for that? I'll, I'll just, I'll just do it and, and see what happens. And then of course I won this money like, the ah, following week. So cool. And it was, I just thought, well, clearly it's meant to be then. So I was able to invest in that. Um, and, and it was just, it's just amazing. So yeah, I work with lots of independent artists who, who need advice because quite often you, you want to go out into the music world and quite often their parents contact me and say, well, we don't know who's good to trust. We don't know which studios they should go to. We don't know what to do if they should sign a contract, if they shouldn't. So because I'm a mum and I teach a lot of musicians, I, um, people seem to trust me because I don't, um, treat people badly. I, I always make them feel safe and, confident and comfortable um throughout their sort of time learning with me and um so I'm kind of like the mama bear of <laughs> right, you're like I mean a being bit. a choir director and stuff you're a community builder yeah yes sense. yeah absolutely and and I love doing that I just love being able to help people and some of my my clients are just brilliant but they have no confidence and so they'll phone me and just go oh, I just feel really rubbish I can't do this and I say of course you can of course you can let's talk it through and then they kind of go away feeling like they can't can achieve it sometimes they just need just need someone to listen to them really and um, talk through their abilities and the things they need support with um, to make them realize how good they are and, um, and they you know shouldn't let things stand in their way and it's yeah it's my absolute honor to be able to do that and work with people from different backgrounds who don't necessarily have access to that kind of help and support so there's now, quite when a lot you of men mentoring artist, I do. When you say artist management do you mm. mean more like you're an artist coach or you or is it a traditional management engagement where you're making a percentage of what they make? It's not I'm not really doing that because they're so young and not really making any money yet I, I ah. do so I, I, I'm managing some some bigger artists I do some manage, managing of them more that way but a lot a lot of the rest of it is more a kind of mentorship so that Got I can get, give them that support because that's what they need at this point they don't they don't want someone taking their money they need <laughs> someone showing them the ropes so I kind of there's like two levels to it that's a kind of mentorship and then there's um, depending on where you're at if you need if you're ready to just go in straight away with the full management and you want to tour and you want to do those things that I can support with that. And then if you are coming in at a, a sort of lower level, needing support with your songwriting and, and um, production and things, then I help with that too. So it just depends on the artist really. We kind of look at what they, what, what their needs are. Well, and I think it's a really good point to make because a lot of young artists, especially they're like, I don't know what to do. I need a manager to, mm. you know, to, just take over my career. And they need to understand that what they really need is a mentor, like you said, or a yeah. coach, because the traditional manager relationship is not going to work for them because an actual manager actually expects a percentage of what they make. So yes. I'm curious, like, yeah. what do you look for in an artist or when would you move them from kind of that mentorship side to like actual management relationship? Where do they need to be at in their career to, to get that? The, at the point where, they're, where we're able to book gigs for them, they've got big audiences and their album sale, that, where their, their kind of um, publicity side is, is going really well and they've got a big following and things. Um, because it takes a while to get there. Um, so yeah, a couple of my artists are 
doing that um so it's when that that kind of shift happens and they've and they feel ready as well it's it's uh yeah when they when they it's it's quite a scary world and it ends up not being quite what they imagined they just see someone like Ed Sheeran making right. it big and um and they're like I want to do that and you're like yes but but he wasn't like that straight away that's not that's not he didn't you know, turn right. up packaged like that. He, he it took a long time for him to get there. Um, so it's 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 going through those those stages. And of course, some people will kind of fall away and realise it's not really it's too much work for them, or it's it's not really what they want to do. Um, but yeah, the ones who really push on and on um, are the ones who tend to tend to make it. And then yeah, they go up into that into that that next tier. And are there certain metrics that you look look for in order to put them at that management level? Like, do they need to have a certain number of followers here on Spotify? On you know, um, you know, are they bringing in a certain number of people to their gigs? Yeah, it's it's sort of making it sort of financially viable. Um, so when it fe- when when the kind of numbers are working, um, so I don't look at it too much on followers. Sometimes that's a really good example, but sometimes it, it it's not because people can buy followers and that's you know true. do things in a slightly different way. So if you just take it on that, then they could have bought ten thousand followers <laughs> overnight and um, and have nobody at their gigs. So it's it's kind of looking in a more holistic way of of how they of how they they how they deal with their fans and right. um, support system. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. I just wanted to put that out there because I know that so many indie artists are listening and that they get a little, a little, things get a little muddled when it comes to like, do I need management? Do I need mentorship, a coach? You yeah. Know, what do I need. So that's re- some really good information. Um, I want to talk about you being a mom of little kids. How are you, ba- how do you balance all of this? Cause I, I did this, I actually started my music career as a touring artist and stuff when I had little kids and I would. Wow. You were touring. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. my version of touring, my version of touring was going to a lot of mothers of preschoolers groups and performing there and performing for mm. women's groups. And, you know, I brought my mom on tour with me and she would watch the kids while I was performing and you know I did a lot of community groups and and churches and stuff like that I was definitely not singing in bars and and you know and traditional yeah but yeah I I did start that when my first daughter was two and it's kind of crazy right because it just took me so long to figure out how things worked or how I should show up as an artist that by that time I had kids (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so how are you balancing all of this and having little kids? I'm well, I'm very fortunate. I've got an amazing husband who mm. is just so supportive and my my parents live quite nearby. Um and my sister and her husband said so that I've got a really good support network. I'm definitely not a I'm a solo artist in one sense, but I'm very much supported by a team. Um so I'm I'm so blessed that I can be home with my children during the day and sort of work around them when they go for naps and do things mm-hmm. I can do very, bits of bits of judging and bits of admin and things and then um in the evenings when I normally do my teaching um and I try and work around them so I don't travel abroad too much because it's it gets a bit upsetting for them if I'm never there so we kind of negotiate which things I take and which things I don't take um and uh and that 
that generally so far seems to work we sort of take it step by step because there's no blueprint is there for being a working mum oh and, not at um, all I mean when I, yeah. I was it was easier to go on tour when my kids were little but then they got mm. older and they were in school or they had stuff you know they were like my gymnastics recital and the, you know and I would be missing them because I would go on tour yeah. And that's kind of when I stopped touring is when they kept where they were saying to me, like, I don't want you to miss this. Yes. And that's, that's a different kind of set of hurdles I'm going to have to deal with because um, <laughs> they're three and one at the moment. Mm. So they're very little. Um, but yes, that will be a whole, a whole different thing once they're at school and, and yeah, part of clubs and, you know, that kind of thing. So that, that will be different. Um, but so far we've managed, but most things I do are either at the weekends or, um, in the holidays. Um, so I was meant to be, uh, I think next week I was meant to be, um, in Belgium to do some judging for the world choir games, but obviously that's not happening because right. <laughs> that was 500 international choirs all meeting together, which would have wow. been the worst possible, there is a brilliant thing ever, but the worst possible spread of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah especially yeah. because choirs so, are being blamed more than most now for exactly like, exactly like oh dear so obviously that's been postponed um and I was meant to be singing at Carnegie Hall with Deke Sharon <laughs> from the Pitch Perfect movies and the sing-off uh, and things so I love Deke he's doing some judging for me at the moment actually but I couldn't go because of course um it had just you know the whole coronavirus thing had just happened then that was it was pretty much that week where everything went into lockdown mm -hmm. um so that was a shame I didn't get to go out and see him and sing but it's you know it, I'm glad we're everybody's safe and uh so yeah other things other things come up so things have been rescheduled and I just kind of work around work around it and think okay well that wasn't meant to be or, or maybe it'll happen again in the future um so the kids are quite happy because they I'm just here <laughs> right yeah. And do you do do you do much like as a as a singer songwriter now, or are you mostly helping other artists? Yeah, I do still um, write for myself. I tend to write with other people. Um, that's my favourite thing is collaborating with with others. I just love that that energy and all those ideas wouldn't be in the room unless it was those two people being there together. I just love it. Um, and I'm very aware of the things that I'm not so good at and the things I am good at. And so when I meet someone who compliments um, that those other things in me, we're just like the perfect team because <laughs> they can do all the things I can't do. And we just work together like, like jigsaw pieces. It's amazing. So um, yeah, I'm doing quite a bit of writing for charities at the moment because uh, during we're still in lockdown over in the UK um, and loads of charities have been really struggling because they just can't do any fundraising. So they're, right. you know, they're, they're really struggling. Um, so I've done lots of fundraising work for them. So there's a, a mental health charity that I'm now a patron of. Mm. Um, and I created a whole international arts festival um, for, to raise money for them. So people from the US were sending songs in and people from France were sending artwork in and graphic wow. design and it was it was just crazy it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and um so Deke Sharon's one of the judges for that and um some of the cast of Strictly Come Dancing it's a big show we've, you've got Dancing with the Stars in the US and we've oh got yes strict, yeah so that the, the Strictly Come Dancing pro dancers and yeah it's just just incredible that all the people that I've kind of collected over the years of odd things that I've done and I just I love making friends with people and keeping in touch with them and particularly during lockdown a lot of 
creatives have really, really struggled because all the theatres are shut and nobody can do any live performances. So I've just been checking in on all my friends, like, are you okay? How are you doing? Is this, yeah. are you feeling all right? Um, so when I started doing this project, they all said, yes, absolutely, we'll, we'll judge. We're happy to, to do it because they wanted to, to try and help. And they've all offered their time for free and the charity can make all the money. And it's, it's <laughs> just amazing. So that's what I've spent a lot of my lockdown time doing and I've written a song with um one of the British cast of Hamilton um mm. Aaron, Aaron Lee Lambert who I know from doing Sing Ultimate Acapella and the TV show um and he he and I've written a song for Black Lives Matter because I just I, I just I need to do something I can't do nothing but I don't know what to do um and so I talked to him about it and uh, he he was brilliant. He said, "Well, why don't we why don't we do something together? There's about this conversation between a white person and a, and a black person, and the white person saying, I want to be an ally, but I don't know how. I don't know how to help you. I feel like I'll make mistakes, and you know. And so we've we've written that um, together, which has been a really nice project. And then yeah, a few other a few other things for military wives choir and and things. I just yeah, I've really enjoyed." having the time to to do things for charity during this this kind of strange little hiatus in life yeah that's for sure and are you are you recording as well or are you mostly writing yeah i have i, I recorded something the other day with my daughter actually she mm. my three-year-old um it was an anthem for a, a networking group that i'm part of um, for mums who are self-employed so i wrote this little little song and then there's a, a verse that my daughter Layla sings in it Aww. so I had to <laughs> so I was doing my recording and I can usually do things in like one or two takes um so there's minimal editing and then Layla came in that's her first time singing into a microphone properly with headphones on so it was all a different process for her so then I <laughs> had to switch to kind of producer kind of <laughs> side of things but she loved it she hears it now and she's like that's me that's me I'm a uh, recording star <laughs> I'm like, yes honey you can. <laughs> how fun is that um so I did want to I did want to ask about the the um the postnatal depression I know you're a big um, you know, proponent for helping women deal with that. And you, you went through it yourself. Maybe you could just tell our listeners, you know, a little bit about what you went through and how you're supporting other women with that. Sure. So uh, Layla was born in April, 2017. And I remember the midwife telling me before, um, because I'd, I'd struggled a bit with depression mild very mildly um, years before they said well you're likely to get postnatal depression because you've had depression before and I remember just thinking no I'm not having that I, I'm too busy I just want to get on with this it's only having a baby I mean come on and yeah. then of course you have a child and it was quite a complex complex birth that you know went on for days and um so then you're exhausted and um I was really not very well but I didn't tell anyone because I felt too ashamed. I felt like I should be able to do this. It's just parenting. Come on. Um, but I didn't realize it would be so hard. And my, um, my mood was getting lower and lower and I was crying a lot. And I was having um, almost like I can describe them as like waking nightmares where I would imagine awful things happening to Layla mm. um, and, and really odd things happening. And I realize now that's, um, that's, postpartum psychosis which mm. is quite a rare condition um but I didn't realize that till later I just thought I was going mental and I thought I can't tell anyone because they'll take 
explain her away because they'll think I'm an unfit mother. So I just didn't say anything at all. And I just, I'm used to, you know, like an actress and things like, I can just put on a happy face and go, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's great. And was just, just lying basically to everyone um, because I thought that's what I should do. And it was at that time I was um, asked to, um, film one of the judges for the TV show Sing Ultimate Acapella um, and Layla was three months old then so we went off to London <laughs> and my husband looked after her during the day and I went off to the studio to film and I just thought this is insane I'm really actually unwell and I'm here on television with full face of makeup on talking to people about their acapella choirs and it, it just felt so odd I thought my life can't get any weirder. Um, and, and, I, and people just thought I was sailing through, you know, new, new parenthood and being a TV star and da, da, da. And I thought I'm being so dishonest to people because there are people who are really struggling and they'll look at me and think, oh, well, she's got it all together. What's my problem? And actually, I'm just lying. And mm. so eventually I admitted that I, I had... I had some problems and went to the doctor and they were brilliant and, and gave me some counseling and support. And my family were amazing. And they said, we knew something was wrong, but we just didn't know how to talk to you about it. We thought that might push you further away from us because you mm. seem so fragile. Um, like you were just sort of hanging by a thread. We didn't want to cut that thread in case you just, you just ran away and never came back or something. Um, and then I had my, had our son um, the following year and um, I was worried that the same thing would come back and it did but because I've been open about it I was able to go straight to my family my husband and say I feel the same I feel this this darkness coming again um, and they said okay that's that's thank you that's good you told us so I went to the doctor they put me on um, a course of antidepressants which just has worked to just level me out basically it keep, keeps my serotonin up um, and, and I'm pretty level. Um, I had a bit of, of counselling and things. And then I, because um, at that point, still only very, very close family and friends knew about it because I felt, still felt quite vulnerable about it all. And I thought, I'm going to have to tell people um, because people are contacting me and you know, people I don't know contacting me and saying, how, have you ha how are you having this career mm. with two little children and you're just totally fine? And I thought, oh, I, I can't do this to people. It's not fair. Um, and so, and I thought Chrissy Teigen was a brilliant example of that. Like she's, she's spoken so openly about how much she struggled after Luna was born and that I drew a lot of support from that because she was so honest. If someone as amazing as Chrissy Teigen can struggle, then it, you know, it, it's, it can happen to anybody. And so I kind of wrote a, um, a post on social media about it and people just, I had thousands of emails from people, people I knew, people I didn't know, um, saying I felt exactly the same or my mum felt the same or my best friend, I didn't know what to do. And it's not like I had the answers, but just being able to ad admit it and talk about it, um, it just breaks the stigma down. And then I had lots of people say, well, you know, what, what helped you? And I said, well, writing lyrics was the only thing I could really do because I needed to say these things, but I couldn't say it to anyone when mm. no one knew I had postnatal depression so I would just write lots of lyrics down and I would try and do a bit of songwriting when Layla was asleep and that's the only thing that seemed to kind of help me feel a bit more normal and um and so I said that to people and they said well would you maybe write a song with me would that help and there is a a link between 
music, particularly singing and postnatal depression, um, it being a really good way of um, raising your, your endorphins so you feel happier. So then your antidepressants are more likely to work and you get through the process of the struggle quicker um, than if you go to like mother and baby groups. Um, so there's been a lot of studies into that um, in the UK, which is amazing because it's the same findings that I've found. Um, but mm. It's pro- a proper medical study they've done. It's like, oh, cool. That's, that's what I found. So I just started doing um, little group get togethers where mums would come over with their children and we would just sit and have a cup of tea and some cake and talk about what we'd been through really. And because I'd also been through it. They could, they knew they could say anything in front of me and I wouldn't judge them because I'd been there. So, you know, if they said something that they felt was quite a terrible thing to say, I wouldn't be horrified. I'd probably just say, yeah, that I was exactly there too. And then we kind of gradually kind of get all our thoughts and feelings written down and we structure it into a song and that becomes their kind of anthem for wellness and they a lot of them have the lyrics up on their walls or have the songs that they play all the time and it's really helped them feel like they're making steps towards recovery because they can see where they've been and they're kind of coming out into the light so um yeah that's really cool I love that (laughs) so do they have to be songwriters or musicians oh no no none of they're all just they all do completely different things so um Uh. yeah they, they they just they're just um, they're just mum. They're, they're not just mums. They're mums, amazing mums, who are all from all different backgrounds. They can have all different abilities, do different things, and we just get together. And um, they don't have to be the songwriters. I'm the songwriter, so I kind of put it all together gradually and create the song for them. But it's based on their thoughts and feelings. Got um, it. That is really cool because then they can tap into that. Whereas you know, if they don't, mm. that's just not their natural thing. That they don't just you know, sit around writing songs like those of us who do, or naturally yeah. walk around singing, you know, that they can tap into that, that healing power of that. That's just really great what you're doing. Um, I know my experience with having my first child is like, I thought, well, now I'm a mom, I have to focus entirely on this. I have to give mm. up my other passion of music. And this is my thing now. And after about six weeks of that, I was like, I'm going to go insane if I don't do mm. musical stuff. Like I yeah. think I was wrong. <laughs> this is not just my thing now. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Cause it's like music's the other baby in your life and it kind right. of fights for attention. It's like, uh, I'm also here. <laughs> yeah. So you, it, it's a difficult balance. It's a really difficult balance, but it's, um, it's rewarding having amazing kids and a, and a music career and being a woman and trying to sort of having it all essentially, but at different points, (laughs) you can't have it all, all of the time is what I I think. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. You can't have it all, all of the time. Uh, The last thing I wanted to ask you about was kind of income streams. I love asking people this on the show because people that listen to the show are always wanting to find out like, you know, where are artists making their money and, you know, what maybe have they not explored for their career? And my experience has been that like the more income streams we can tap into as artists, the better, because number one, it kind of evens out, um, you know, like when things happen like this pandemic, right? If you were Mm. only doing live gigs, that's totally shut down. You know, but if you had these other streams of income, you could just focus on those. So I'm curious what kind of your streams of income are 
Yeah. Um, well, I, my main income is teaching. Um, so my, my private students and my choirs um, are my main income. And um, that's something I, I do every day. Um, I go out to teach my choirs, but I do all my home, my private teaching from home. I have a studio downstairs. So I just, my commute is walking from our lounge, which is on the, on the first floor downstairs that's it <laughs> that's my commute like, oh, and have I'm you turned those I. virtual now or are you still doing them in you know person I've I no, I've had to do them virtually um but also in a kind of college assessment kind of way where I set them tasks and they do them and then film them and send them back to me because zoom is not great for singing uh, I know <laughs> um, it's just because the one-way microphone the time lag it's a bit frustrating um so and some people have obviously struggled with their with work over over this time have been furloughed or lost their jobs. So some people have had to put lessons on hold for a little while. And I was like, that's absolutely fine. We'll just, we'll, we'll keep assessing things as we go. Um, because yeah, life is very strange at the moment, but yeah, I also, um, yeah, write songs and I, uh, um, yeah, I do a lot of commission work for, for choirs and for other, for other outlets. And, um, I'm a, writer as well so I do write quite a lot of articles um, about music or about motherhood mental health that kind of thing for different magazines um, yeah and do some public speaking and things so yeah quite gradually I've I've developed this slightly strange portfolio career which... no but it's really good because if you think about your portfolio like certain things cannot be used right now you cannot really do exactly. public speaking much you can't do in-person teaching but because you've got this other writing you've got you know collabs you've got all these things like you're still okay so I always encourage musicians to like I mean, you don't want to go crazy and have like 50 streams of income because then you just yeah. can't focus on anything. But, you know, yeah. having five or six that you build up and then, you know, no matter what's happening with the economy or the world, there are some that you can still tap into. Mm, definitely. And um, being kind of sort of adjustable with these kind of things, there's, yeah, there'll always be weird things happening in the world. This is a particularly weird thing yeah. happening in the world. Particularly, this is the weirdest possible year anyone could have thought of. I mean goodness me um but yeah if you're adaptable you can you can you can change you know if you're too set if someone's very set in their ways of like i only do things this way then that you sometimes run into problems but if you can be quite relaxed and adapt with different things like with online teaching or with um like later on tonight i've got <laughs> i'm doing so much with america it's amazing so it's like in the evening for us and um, so there's a show choir camp in america because i'm still quite involved with show choir even though i don't really teach one anymore um i'm doing a, a talk for them <laughs> and it's just amazing because you can do that whereas i wouldn't i'd have had to go to america to do that before, right but now they can just get people in like me easily just by doing it over zoom and it's brilliant well, and it's, there's lots of opportunities that wouldn't have happened otherwise that's right and it's going to be just more likely to happen in the future so it's great for you mm. as a mom because you can still take those things and not have to travel to america exactly exactly yeah so it's it's great the kids just know i'm doing something and and uh, with the dad and, and they're they're quite happy they're like oh are you finished now mom great okay let's go and play with some lego or <laughs> i know <laughs> that, to me that's the biggest silver lining of the whole coronavirus thing is this like opening yeah. everybody up to the possibility of virtual yes yeah because we've we've had to um so i mean goodness if this happened 10 years ago we just wouldn't have had the te technology it would have been awful so nope. if this was going to happen if we were going to have this pandemic this is 
probably the best time with the weather fairly temperate if it was winter it would be awful because you just couldn't do anything and with the technology the way it is now we're we're able to to generally function almost normally which is which is pretty amazing really it is it absolutely is well thank you so much this has all been so great to to understand you know the different facets of your career and i love how you're supporting women and moms uh, i know people can go to your website rachel mason music mm-hmm. right.com right. yeah check out uh, your teaching and the workshops that you do where else can they find you online uh, so I'm on Instagram, Rachel Mason Music. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Rachel Mason Music. On Twitter, I am I am Rachel Mason because um, you've got a lovely artist over in California who's a singer and artist who's also called Rachel Mason. It's a very ah. popular name. So <laughs> yeah, I've um, been glad that my name is weird, and there's pretty much nobody else that has that name. So I've gotten <laughs> all of that name everywhere. You're unique. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is so awesome. I I encourage all of my listeners go out there and connect with her. I actually connected with Rachel on Instagram and I didn't know anything about her. So I'm so glad that we connected and she's just doing amazing things in the world. And I'm glad you guys have gotten to hear her story. Thank you so much, Rachel. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com and music by Stella Ronson.